Let us pray. Father, help us now to rest in your promises and have confidence in your faithfulness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I've said this uh, several times uh, before at this service that I think that deep down there are two uh, basic and related, if you, if you go deep down, there are two basic and related hopes that we often uh, bring uh, with us to church, or you could just say spirituality or religion in general, in any sort of search that we have in those directions. Number one, we want uh, answers to the ultimate questions about the meaning of life. That's to, to feel closer to God or whatever ultimate reality uh, might be out there. And the, the other thing is that we, we want a better life, plain and simple, whether that's to become a better person or to have confidence about uh, the big sort of philosophical and spiritual questions of the world, we're often sort of saying to ourselves, there must be more to life than th- this, isn't there? So the two big hopes that we want are to, to find uh, meaning and a closeness to God or whatever that sort of the, the big uh, it is and to have a better life, whatever, for whatever reason that is for you. And most importantly, um, uh, well, before I say that, the, 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 thing, the thing about those questions is that we're, we're pulled in several different uh, directions, which can prevent us from uh, sort of achieving the goals of finding the answers to these uh, big questions, because there are just too many choices when it comes to, to spiritual options that are out there, too many to explore. They're just, just a, it's a plain fact. It would take you more than a lifetime. And many of us are asking, is there, is there really a God to begin with, you know? Um, and when we uh, find one that we think that we can trust, we wonder whether this is really the, the true God in the end. Most importantly, uh, we're, we aren't even sure we're good enough when we meet this God uh, to be in his presence because our motivations are mixed. Our hearts are fickle. We suffer from doubt, fear, guilt, hopelessness, distraction. You know, we'll ask questions in our mind uh, to ourselves. Am I coming to God in the right way? Will he accept me given what I've done, you know, just last night or right before uh, coming to this service? Do I have enough faith? Do I need more? Things like that that give us a a sense of, of doubt. And listen, I feel all this angst myself. I feel all the pressures. I've had these questions, or I still have them to some extent, uh, in, throughout my life. It took me several years after coming to Christian faith to finally feel assured, to feel confident in what it is that I believe. And I want to help uh, all of us to feel more confident about saving faith, namely in Jesus Christ. No matter uh, the motives that you have, or have had for approaching God. I want you to feel assured in the promises that he's given you. And the best way that I know to do this is to find answers in the Bible, to find answers in uh, Holy Scripture. But here's the thing. The Bible is a really difficult book to understand, especially for us uh, right now in the United States. It has a lot of really strange stories. It can be hard to wrap our mind around all those strange stories, Just for example, for the past several weeks, we've been looking at the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted us to look at it this fall is because it's perhaps one of the strangest books 
uh, in the Bible that leads us um, to perplexity. We've already tackled the uh, battle of Jericho, but uh, right now uh, we have an even uh, maybe weirder story, uh, a, a, another stra- a story for other strange reasons. And yet I believe with a, a little bit of work, even this story that we have tonight, Um, about the Gibeonites and the battle with the Amorites and God stopping the sun and the moon. I believe that even this passage with a little bit of work can bring us unspeakable comfort uh, for distracted people with uh, mixed motivations and fickle hearts. So let's take a, a brief look at this passage. In order to do this, though, I, you know, we, we couldn't tackle the whole book of Joshua, so we had to skip around, and we've skipped a, a couple of chapters. But in order to understand chapter 10, you really have to understand chapter 9. Um, so I want to look at that real quickly and then say something about chapter 10. If you want to follow along, I'm going to read a little bit of chapter 9. It's in your pew Bibles in pages 184 and 185, or if you have your own, you can just find uh, Joshua chapter 9. And remember that uh, Israel is on a mission to take over everything in the promised land, inside the boundaries of the promised land. And this includes all the nations that are called the Ites, you know, the the Jebusites, the Hivites, the Amorites, etc. And one of the Ites is the Gibeonites. That's not mentioned in that list typically. But the Gibeonites uh, actually live not far from the city of Jerusalem, which doesn't belong to Israel just yet. Um, And uh, the Gibeonites have heard about Israel and uh, the battles that they've won, uh, and and this is what ends up happening. I just want to read it to you. This is kind of a second reading tonight. I'm sorry. And as I go along reading it, I just want to highlight a couple things before I comment on chapter 10. So if you see starting at verse 3 in chapter 9, here's the story. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho, and I or AI, we don't know, uh, then uh, they, they on their part acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions and took worn out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins, worn out and torn and mended with worn out patches, patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes, and all their provisions were dry and crumbly. And they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, uh, they're a type of Hivites, the Gibeonites, and do you see they're actually not from far away? Do you see what they're doing? They're pretending to come from a far country. And uh, the men of Israel say to them, perhaps you live among us. Perhaps actually you live in the promised land. Then how, uh, then how can we make a covenant with you? They said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? They said to him, from a very distant country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. Do you see what's happening here? They're lying. If you have uh, the ESV Bible, the heading there is the Gibeonite deception. Uh, it's probably something like that in whatever your Bible is. Well, if you skip and remember, the reason why they're lying is because if it's discovered that they are, in fact, uh, living in the promised land, that they're devoted to destruction. And they know this. And skipping ahead to verse 11, they say, So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country said to us, Take provisions in your hand for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Come make a covenant with us. A covenant is a type of agreement, a promise, 
a contract. And they're begging, make a covenant with us um, to, to be in a, a, a sort of diplomatic relationship. And so then, uh, at verse 14, so the men took some of the, their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. So Joshua doesn't uh, seek the counsel of the Lord and in a, a rash decision decides to make a covenant because if he sought the counsel of the Lord, the Lord would have told them, no, they're deceiving you. But they make the agreement and then it's found out that they're actually, uh, these Gibeonites live in the promised land. And Joshua says, why have you done this? We will keep the covenant with you, but you are going to be um, restricted to being, as he says, servants. You will be drawers of water and cutters of wood for the rest of your life. And so that's the story of the Gibeonite deception, and they have the covenant, and now they're doomed to be merely servants for the rest of their lives uh, here in Israel. And we have in our passage today the Amorite kings, some of the other ites in the promised land, learn what the Gibeonites have done. And, uh, and notice the comment that the Gibeonites were actually quite powerful when it came to warfare, and yet even they uh, come to Joshua in fear. And the Amorites learn of this, and so what they do is they combine forces to attack Gibeon because they're upset. And here's the thing. Israel and God maintain faithfulness to the covenant, the promise, the contract, in spite of the fact that Gibeon came to them in deception, lying to them. That is, their uh, mixed motives for coming to God's kingdom. And we also see on top of this information about the faith, God's faithfulness to the covenant uh, and having Joshua defend Gibeon in the war and saying that he will uh, lead them to success, we also see supernatural occurrences on top of this information of the covenant faithfulness. First of all, there are hailstones that God fires from heaven uh, on the battlefield to participate in the warfare. And then, here's the strangest thing, one of the stranger places in the Bible, God answers Joshua's prayer and stops the sun and the moon so that they have light on the battlefield. What are we to make of this? What are we to make of the faithfulness to the to the contract, the covenant, to the deceivers, and then this supernatural occurrence, especially the um, stopping of the sun and the moon. And there are, uh, there's a lot of uh, speculation about the, the sun and the moon bit. If you, uh, I've, I've looked in different biblical commentaries, and no one has a clear answer. There's speculation about maybe the Amorites were worshipers of the cosmos, and so this would show God's power over even their idols. Or maybe it was a, a, a solar or lunar eclipse. Which one is it? Um, but nobody knows. It's all speculation. There's no answers there. But he, uh, he, I'll tell you this. This story demonstrates one thing, to say the least. The God of Israel is the ruler of the universe. The God of Israel is the one true ruler of the universe. And if you think it's hard to believe that he stopped the sun and the moon, think again. He created them, and he can do whatever he wants. He's the same God in Genesis chapter 1 who spoke it into creation, and if he wants to stop them for a little while, he can do it. So here's how this strange passage uh, is of unspeakable comfort uh, to us. We can either go the way of the Gibeonites, uh, who became cutters of wood and drawers of water in the house of God, 
Or we can go the way of the Amorite kings and their nations in this story. In our modern language, that would mean uh, we can either be followers of Jesus Christ or not. There are only these two options. And here's the good news about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the same God who not only stopped the sun and the moon, but he also created them, and his brightness outshines them. Just listen to these words from John chapter 1, which we often read around Christmas time. And it's talking about Jesus. This is the beginning of the gospel, telling the story of his life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And and this skipping ahead a little bit. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Talking about Jesus. The one who not only created the cosmos, but if he wanted to, could stop the sun and the moon. And the same word that rules the universe also made a covenant with us, just like he did with the Gibeonites. The night before he was betrayed, we have this story. As as he was eating with his disciples, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he's speaking about what's to come the next day on the cross. He says, take, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they, uh, they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, which is poured out for you. The covenant he made with us is one of the forgiveness of our sinfulness, Even the sin of coming to him for all the wrong reasons and in all the wrong ways. He takes our mixed motives and makes them what they need to be. The ruler of the universe has promised us we are right with him because of his cross. Just as God was faithful to the Gibeonites, Jesus will be faithful to us. A colleague of mine who's now the uh, pastor of a church in Charlottesville, Virginia, who actually used to have my title here at the Advent, his name is Paul Walker. Uh, Some of you know him, the uh, rector of uh, Christ Church out there. Someone told me, one of uh, the guys who works for him said uh, about their five o'clock service out there. Uh, He said one day Paul said uh, in the welcome uh, to the folks there, and it's a college service or largely college students from UVA, Paul has this very um, warm, uh, inviting spirit. And he said, uh, we welcome you to Christ Church. Uh, No matter what reason you've come here tonight, including if you've just come here because you know that there's a particular cute girl here tonight that you want to meet, you are warmly welcome to this church. I thought that was a great story uh, because it's the sort of thing we ought to say, you know, every Sunday, no matter what reason you came here tonight. Even if you think it's for all the wrong reasons, we're so glad you're here. And looking back at my process of coming to church, originally I didn't grow up in the church, but started to in in adulthood. Looking back at that process, I got to say my motives were mixed. You know, I wanted to be perceived as a spiritual person. I wanted to get God on my side so that he'd owe me a better life. And here's the funny thing. I wanted to know about, more about Jesus because there was a girl I liked who believed in him. 
<laughs> there was a cute girl, you know, behind the story. And God used that. Just as Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for ill, God meant for good, you know, even if it has something to do with the cute girl. So maybe I'm basically a Gibeonite. Maybe I'm basically a Gibeonite. But look, I'd rather be a cutter of wood and a drawer of water in the house of God than devoted to destruction. Friends, listen to and accept the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, the ruler of the universe who makes the sun and the moon stop, has made you a promise in spite of yourself. And although your motives might be mixed, his are not. And his promise is that you will not only survive, but thrive in his kingdom. Not merely as cutters of wood and drawers of water, but as adopted children of the Father, heirs with an eternal promise. So I invite you to accept the gospel and enter the kingdom. Your king not only has the power to stop the sun and the moon, but also to replace your, uh, your broken heart of mixed motivations with a pure and living heart of flesh. In his kingdom, you will, you will not be devoted to destruction. You will no longer be an enemy of God or held captive by his enemies. And you will have no more reason to live deceptively. Rather, you may dwell with security and confidence because the ruler of the universe keeps his promises. He has personally made you a promise, a covenant in his blood, the blood of his cross. And so I say to you, have faith. And really what I mean by when I say have faith, I say trust in, trust in this promise with all of your life. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.